I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Pardon my voice. They work me overtime in Oklahoma. I preached Friday night conference and then uh, conducted business meeting on Saturday and then three times on Sunday after uh, we, we I preached Sunday morning. We traveled an hour and a half to their daughter work, got home at 20 minutes after 5, preached again at 6 o'clock. So my voice is just a bit taxed, but it's going to be all right. Amen. Amen. Let me, first of all, take you to the book of Titus, chapter 1, and we'll go to Romans 6 in a bit. Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, of course, Titus chapter 1 has been our focus, 52 chapter all week long. And to those of you that may not be familiar, uh, we take one chapter a week and particularly one memory verse a week, 52 weeks. And uh, those are always on the guest center. Uh, You can pick one of those up and study with us all week long. And then usually on Wednesday night, unless the Lord leads otherwise, that is our subject for Wednesday night Bible study. Titus chapter 1, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about leading by example. I want to tell you tonight that if we desire to have the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ impact the lost, it has to have impacted us. And then we need to have particular commitments to that gospel. I can certainly attest to the fact that there are many voices from our own thoughts and from other well-meaning Christians or even those in marketing that want to convince us that We need to dumb down the message in order to have a greater impact. But I rise tonight on this Wednesday night to tell you that the Word of God is true and the Word of God is right and the Word of God will work when nothing else works. We don't have to soak it up, soak it down, dumb it down. I want you to understand if you'll learn to walk in the unadulterated word of God and truth and receive it with gladness, your life will be blessed. I see around us so many that are falling by the wayside. But I believe that somehow we've got to get a grip on the fact that we, we used to sing a song said, give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Listen, we don't have to modernize this thing. I wish somebody would help me. I do realize there are different methods and different approaches, but I tell you tonight... That the message must not change. 
I, uh, I think that somehow, as a church, we got to realize that there is no easy way to heaven. If you're going to make it, you're going to fight all the way. You want to know why? Because the Bible said that the devil, he's roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible calls him a thief that comes to steal, kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't mean any good for you. Don't you let the world present to you a picture that somehow they want to do something to enhance your life. Somebody help me right here. I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is pick up the Word of God every day of your life and align your life with the Word of God. Because the Bible said heaven and earth are going to pass away. The only thing that's going to be left is the Word of God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Paul writes to Titus and he shows Titus that the only real way to impart or impact rather the lost for Christ is to be controlled by God. Following his mission and his message and his means. Paul instructs Titus, we got to learn to serve one another. And I want to tell you that that process is guaranteed to produce life-changing results. Listen, listen to Bishop right here. We're not in the church-going business. We don't come to church just to come to church. We come here because... This needs to be a life-changing place. And it doesn't matter if you live for God five minutes or 50 years. Every time you come to the house of God, you need to allow something to happen to you that changes your life. There needs to be just a little bit less of you and a little bit more of God. Come on, somebody praise Him right now. Paul calls Titus in leading by example and he reveals to him five core features that guided his life and service to God upon which we, the church, must be built upon in order to reach the lost. Anybody here interested in reaching the lost? If you're not, you're wasting your time. Watch this now. Just stay with me a minute. I'm probably not going to get through all this Bible study. There's just too much stuff flowing right now. But I want you to hear me. You are called to be a mirror of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Your role in this world as a Christian, as a child of God, as a spirit-filled, Jesus' name baptized, child of the living God, your role in this world is to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, just, just uh, I'm going to give you five things here. You write them down or buy the CD. Effective gospel ministry. 
must be committed to God's mastery. Titus 1. Committed to God's mission, message, and means. As well as committed to God's members. Get all those? Let me do it again. Committed to God's mastery. Committed to God's mission. Committed to God's message. Committed to God's means. And committed to God's members. Now let me just break it down again. I'm probably not going to get through all of this, but just stay with me. Titus 1 and 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness. Above all else, watch this, the apostle saw himself as a man totally under divine authority. If you're trying to operate in your own talent and your own ability, you're wasting your time and anybody you're trying to help. Come on, somebody. If you want to win the lost, you're going to have to understand you can't operate under your authority. You've got to operate under God's divine authority. So, Paul recognizes and understands that he is an apostle under divine authority, a servant of God. It was his commitment to God's mastery. The apostle's Hebrew name was Saul. After the first king of Israel, soon after his miraculous conversion and calling by Christ. He came to be known exclusively by his Greek name, Paulus or Paul, with full truthfulness. Paul could have identified himself as a brilliant scholar, a highly educated Jewish leader who also learned in Greek literature and philosophy. He could have flaunted his inherited Roman citizenship, an extremely valuable advantage in that day. He could have boasted of his unique calling as an apostle to the Gentiles who was granted full privilege and authority alongside the twelve. He could have boasted of being caught up in the third heaven into paradise and of his gift of miracles and of being chosen as the human author of the great part of the scripture of the New Testament. But he chose rather to identify himself foremost as a servant of God. I want, to, I want you to hear me right now. I, I, I'm talking about you about leading by example. You must know tonight as a child of God, the most the, the, the greatest identification that you can be known by is that he or she is a servant or a slave. Of God. I know. Some of you thought you were better than that. You see. The servant or the slave. Doulos is the word. Was the property of the master. And had none but qualified. And therefore extremely limited rights. Did you get that? Had no rights. And a slave's existence was therefore 
determined by servitude and submission to the authority of the master. In other words, they got their identity by being a servant to their master. If you want to lead by example, you need to get your identity by being a servant to your God. Unless, unless our first and ultimate aim is to do the will of God in His timing and by His means, then our half-hearted efforts will fail. Paul was incomplete, but willing. Everybody say willing. Willing bondage to God. I hear folks say all the time these days, Oh, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live in bondage. Well, there you go. There you go. That's a problem. (laughs) Oh, I, I know folks don't want to hear that, but you see, Paul had no life that he called his own. No will of his own. No purpose of his own. And no plan of his own. All was subject to his Lord. In every thought, in every breath, in every effort, he was under the mastery of God. I want you to lift your hands right now. Say, God, that's number one. Let me be that. Hallelujah. We we must, to lead by example, we must understand and recognize to be a true servant of God. Our family our recreation, our work, and all other activities must be given over to God. Romans chapter 6. Everybody all right? Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 15. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under law but under grace? God forbid. forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Oh, there's that word. Which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants. Everybody shout servants. Of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things Whereof ye are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin. 
and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Watch. I know we don't like to talk about this, but but what happens when we remove the imagery of slavery from the gospel of Christ? The result is that people think of just adding Christ to their existing lives. <laughs> the result is they don't really repent of sin and they're still in bondage which leads to death. But when we explain that faith in Christ means admitting our existing bondage in sin and trading that for service to Christ, that's when we are only truly free. Listen, true Christians will never live as slaves to sin. For God has transformed their heart, what's this word, at conversion. Watch this. In medical terms, when they convert your heartbeat, your heart's beating one way, but when they convert it, it starts beating another way. You see, when you're living in sin, your heart's beating one way. But when the Holy Ghost comes in and takes control... Your heart starts beating another way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before your heart wasn't in alignment, but when the Holy Ghost comes in, your heart gets in alignment and your life gets in alignment with the Word of God. Somebody thank Him for conversion. Hallelujah. I... Uh, I don't I don't want to get bogged down here, but I I want us to realize and understand how important it is that we grow in the love of righteousness and in a living according to God's word. Look, we're we're living in a time where Living for God has become a matter of being situational. Holiness now is situational. Well, I used to believe it like that, but my situation changed, so now I believe it like this. Uh, you're not going to help me. I, I, listen to me. The Word of God has been established It's not going to change. Come on, I already told you. When heaven and earth passes away, the word is never going to change. It's been written and it can't be changed. I want somebody to hear me right now. You cannot change the word of God to fit your lifestyle. You got to change your lifestyle to fit the word of God. you got to decide, who is the master here? Is it my flesh or is it the God of glory? Paul, Paul's specific duty to God was to fulfill his servanthood by being an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was a messenger, a special messenger. He was a type of ambassador who was sent with a specific message and spoke with authority of the one 
who sent him. The authority of the message did not derive from the messenger, but from the sender. Paul's encounter with the Lord on Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9 qualified him. You see, what, what we've got to get is with, with his apostleship came the delivery through revelation of the message of God's grace to the Gentiles. He found himself in a place where no man had ever been before. The Jews could hardly believe that anybody besides them could be included in God's process. And so, when Paul comes on the scene, it's going to have to be something supernatural to get everybody's attention. This wasn't just an ordinary man. He was a man just a few days before his conversion was killing Christians probably had papers in his pocket the day of his conversion. But you got to understand something. I've been preaching this a lot lately, but we live in a world that can't be wowed very easily anymore. Hollywood and all kinds of things have, have wowed them to the place that it takes a lot to move them. And so something has to happen in you and me leading by example as the church. Something, watch this, supernatural has to take place in us. That means it's outside the realm of the flesh. It has to be something that's driven and inspired by the Holy Ghost. And so when... When Saul, the Christian killer, was converted, he became an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And he calls himself a servant of God. And that wasn't an accident. He meant to establish his authority and the fact that it didn't come from him. And he wanted people to understand I used to be the man in charge but I'm not the man in charge anymore. You see, it's what happens to an alcoholic or a drug addict or a prostitute or a homosexual when they are truly converted all of those things used to be in charge. But when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of your life, alcohol isn't in charge anymore. Drugs aren't in charge. Come on now. Illicit lifestyles aren't in charge anymore. You are a servant to the Most High God. And here's where we get bogged down. Here's, here's where we get bogged down. People oftentimes they think that they're free when they can do whatever they please. And that false freedom is really bondage to sin. Leading to death. The wages of sin is although a free man and a citizen of Rome Committed to God's mastery, Paul voluntarily became a slave for Christ in order to proclaim the only true freedom. I want you to look up to the Lord and say, God, I want you to be the master of my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, do you really mean that? 
Do you want the world to see Jesus and not you? Come on. Do you want Jesus to be in control of every aspect of your life? Jesus' name. I feel the Holy Ghost in that. Come on, when we start walking in the mastery of Jesus Christ, that's when blinded eyes are going to be opened, deaf ears are going to hear, devils are going to be cast out. Come on, somebody. We're going to lay hands on them and they'll receive the Holy Ghost. As leaders by example, we must be committed to God's mission and God's message. Paul, a servant of God, apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, And at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. You see, because of Paul's devotion to God's mastery, he had unswerving commitment to God's mission. It's the same mission that binds every preacher and teacher. And in a more general sense, Every church leader and every believer. Seen in this text, the mission includes evangelization, edification, and encouragement. Paul recognized his responsibility to help bring God's elect. Everybody say, that's me. Those who are chosen of God to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that election, He chose you. I said He chose you. You didn't choose Him. That election has its ground not in anything belonging to those thus distinguished but in purpose and will of God for everlasting. I'm not going to read it. Acts 13 and 48, you can read it later, shows that all faith on the part of the elect rests on divine foreordination. They do not become elect by their faith, but receive faith. And so become believers because they are elect. Now watch me. I don't want to get out here on the edge and lose somebody. The Bible speaks of being foreordained. But we understand that that cannot happen until we submit our will to the will of the Master. Everybody here, you have the right to make your own choices, your own decisions. But at that moment that you step out by faith and you say to the Lord, I leave my old life and I'm going to put my faith in you and trust you for a new life. And you repent of your sin. That means you turn from the life you used to live to a life that God desires you to live and then you go down in a watery grave of baptism and your sins of your past are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and then He fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and now the Bible said ye are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Somebody help me praise him right here.
servant. Mastery. God is in control. I'm not in control. My life is not my own. I'm leading by example. And I don't want people to see me. I want them to see Christ in me. Now, let, 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 me, let me move forward here. Paul specifically taught throughout his epistles that God is the source, the initiator, the implementer, and watch this, the guarantor of salvation. It's not what you do. It's what you let him do through you. Okay, my favorite scripture, you know it by now. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but through his mercy. His mercy. Nothing to do with us. His mercy. God saved us. Watch now. How? By the washing of regeneration. You can't do that. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You can't do that. No, I can't You can't do that. You got to get to the place that you trust God enough that you understand every day of your life you need mercy and you need regeneration and you need renewing of the Holy Ghost every day, every day, every day. It's not in you, it's in Him. Uh, we, we, we sometimes hear preachers and teachers say that simple biblical gospel is not relevant to modern people and needs to be bolstered and adorned by various cultural adaptations to make it more attractive and acceptable. This isn't a pretty gospel. In fact, it was birthed to us through someone that said, that was said about him, that it wasn't a pretty sight. (laughs) Oh, he'd been beaten. He'd been scorned and rejected. Had his beard plucked. Had stripes beaten upon his back. Had a crown of thorns and blood running down his face. Yet the word of God declares his own arm brought salvation to you and me. It wasn't pretty. You can't expect it to be pretty. But the Bible said this. He will beautify the meek. With salvation. Oh, hallelujah. I want somebody to hear me right now. If you'll let the salvation of God have its way and operate in your life, it'll be the best thing you've ever done. I I, I just got to tell you, this... Message, this word is not relevant to this generation. <laughs> Just how presumptuous it is to think that an imperfect, sinful, human instrument could improve on God's own message for bringing the lost to himself. When the gospel, as a leader by example, you must become committed to the gospel, to the message And when the gospel is clearly preached 
to those who have been chosen at some point, the Holy Ghost will awaken them. Well, Bishop, surely you can't think that everyone has been chosen. Wait a minute. Brother Stephen, didn't he say that it was his will that all men come to repentance? It's not his will that any should perish. Come on. That tells me it don't matter how bad you are. He still wants you to be saved. We, we, we can't pick and choose who we think will fit and who we think won't fit. That's not our job. Our job is to be committed to the message. And when we sow the seed of the word of God into that chosen vessel, that word is going to spring up and bring life. Ah, hallelujah. You, you don't need to make it pretty. You just need to share it just like it is. Come on, somebody. When God determines who the elect are, we sow the seed of that gospel by sharing the truth with everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone we come in contact with. God's, listen to me right here. God's choice of each believer is based on all of His gracious mercy. So there is no room for our pride. In eternity past, there's no room for us to doubt his sovereign control. So there's no room for fatalism. And his love for us provided in Christ Jesus. There is no room for apathy. We must rise as men and women of God. And understand we've got to be committed to this message. Put up for me 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and I'm trying to finish. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. That ain't pretty. Unto the Jews a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks. 
Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. (laughs) My, my. Now, I know on the surface it, it seems too simple to think that just by sharing the word of God, God will grow his kingdom. We, we try to think of some clever strategy or style or approach that people will find pleasing and accept the truth. Perhaps we, we think we don't really have a compelling testimony. Adequate training or opportunity. God has specifically designed a simple message for simple folks to show a profound God. G.K. Chesterton, famous for having stated in 1910 what's wrong with the world makes this statement and I quote the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting it has been found difficult and left untried unquote it's not as hard as you're making it out to be amen Paul's second responsibility in fulfilling his commitment to God's mission was to edify those who believed by teaching them the full counsel of God's word so that they might be sanctified. You know what that means? Sanctified, set apart. So that they might be sanctified by the knowledge of the truth. You want to know what sets you apart from the rest of the religious world? Is your knowledge of the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will. All right, I got to hurry. I'm going to skip some stuff here. Paul's third responsibility and commitment to God's mission. He mentions it in verse 2. That has been our memory verse this week. Was to bring biblical encouragement to believers. Based on their divinely guaranteed hope. Of eternal life. Of one day. Being glorified. And wholly perfected. In God's righteousness. If you'll look at that scripture. It'll tell you that God already had that in his plan. Before he ever created you. And I want to encourage you tonight. You have eternal life waiting on you if you'll stay faithful to God. <laughs> let, let me, there's a hope that we live with as men and women of God. I don't know about you. Well, I probably do. Paul is not speaking about some wistful desire for something that is possible but uncertain. Paul is talking about a sure thing. 
And tonight, my deepest longing is to make heaven my home. Somebody said, I'm not living for God because I want to go to heaven. I'm telling you, I'm living for God because I want to go to heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I believe with all of my heart, heaven is real. I believe it's going to be just like he told us it was. There are going to be gates of pearl, streets of gold. I've heard some folks say they were going to be paved with gold. I believe they're going to be solid gold. I don't believe he's building me a room up there. I believe he's building me a mansion up there. Come on, I wish somebody would get happy about that. I believe that whether I go by the grave or I go by the rapture, one day I'm going to see Jesus face to face. Come on now. I hope you're there, but I'm not going to be looking for you. When I get there, I'm going to be looking for Jesus because He's the one that saved me, set me free, and kept me. Come on, somebody praise Him right now.